Have fun plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with the best outdoor coolers and drinkware. Celebrating 10 years of cool, Orca was founded in 2012, born from the idea of making a hard-sided cooler that beat out all the rest. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class maximum temperature retention. Orca's drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours, and they look great while doing it. Their stainless steel vacuum-sealed tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off. Orca, make it last. Hey, y'all, I want to let you know we've teamed up with our friends at PickShop.com. They have an app, the Picks app. It is a new awesome thing that we're we're moving a lot of our stuff to. We're moving tastings there. We're moving posts there. We're not going to leave Instagram and Facebook and all the other places, but Picks is this really cool thing that we're getting to build with them. We're getting to build how you post. We're getting to build how you go ahead and put in a tasting, and these tastings will match you up to other people and other whiskeys that you are very compatible with based off of what you've put in for your tastings. There's so much stuff. I can't even tell you enough in a minute, but go to pickshop.com, hit the link, get the app, get in there, start tasting, start posting, be a part of the community. We're going to be there. You should be there too. Go to pickshop.com and get the app. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. Zeke Baker is on assignment, but together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Very excited today because this guy's last name is probably one of the best last names ever, like so close to Espen, but it's Espy, <laughs> and that's Jack Espy. He started Spirited Hive. It is a new line of premium ready-to-drink craft cocktails. We're going to have him talk about them. There's a bourbon whiskey infused with rose rosemary, lemon, and honey. It is tequila infused with ginger, lime, and honey, and vodka infused with cranberry, lime, and honey. And the cool thing right here in Nashville, Tennessee, over down at the Nashville Soccer Club, you're going to see Spirited Hive signs everywhere. And now at Nissan Stadium for the Titans, you're going to see Spirited Hive everywhere as well. So I have a lot of questions about RTDs. I've been dying to have someone on to talk to me about RTDs. So Jack, thank you very much and welcome to Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Yeah, thank you so much. Sean, it's uh, thank you for having me on. What's your story? What where are you from? What you doing? I know you're in New York yeah. right now, but where are you from originally? Originally, I'm kind of from all over the place. I was born in Denver, spent a lot of time. I actually moved to Santa Barbara with my mom and stepdad when I was uh, 13. And my dad actually moved when we moved out of Colorado. My dad moved to Nashville when I was 13. So I've been spending, you know, back and forth between California and Nashville ever since I was a kid. So I kind of somewhat grew up a little bit in Nashville. So yeah, and then now I split my time between Nashville and New York. So around 50% here, 50% in Nashville. So a lot of travel, but you know, that's the that's the way of the startup world. So you are a young guy. I mean, let's be honest, you were a very young guy <laughs> to have started such a company like this. What made you decide to start Spirited Hive in the first place? 
this and how did you go about it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I get that a lot. I actually, my background is not in the beverage industry by any means. My background is actually in real estate finance. I was actually at University of Southern California right when the pandemic hit in my senior year. Were you on the rowing team? (laughs) I was not. No, thank God. That would have caused a couple of issues. Um, I just had to ask. Don't worry. You just had to ask. No, no, I get it. I get it. I get that. I get that a lot as well. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So I just give me the list. I'll ask all the other shitty questions first. Ask ask all of them. Ask all of them. (laughs) But yeah, so I graduated into the pandemic and the job I was supposed to get outside in commercial real estate um, outside of college fell through. So I audibled to get my master's in real estate finance at NYU. And while I was doing that, I kind of came across this idea. Kind of, it's a funny backstory of how it all started. It was in the height of the pandemic. I was back home in Santa Barbara with some friends and all of our parents were super strict about leaving the house. They're like, no, you can't leave. This thing's really like, this is legit. You can't leave the house. It felt like we were back in high school. I was like, we had a curfew and everything. So we would sneak out and we went to my buddy's place and we were making up um, cocktails. And I was kind of always the one that would make the cocktails, not because I was good at it by any means, but you know, all my friends were lazy. And my favorite go-to cocktail is a Moscow Mule. I made all my buddies this drink and they're like, damn, this is really, really good. Like you should can this thing. Cause at this point in time, the whole RTD boom was happening. Um, and they're like, well, what, what would you want to name it? And I was like, well, I don't know. What about the name Mint B? Jack, that is literally the stupidest name I've ever heard. But why Mint B? And I was like, you know, because there's mint in a Moscow mule and B because there's honey in a Moscow mule. They're like, dude, there's no honey in a Moscow mule. What are you talking about? And then that's kind of like where the light bulb went off my head. I was like, wait, there's not. And then I started looking around and researching different cocktails. And at this point in time, there was no RTDs that were honey sweetened. So I kind of just dove into it and was not expecting it to turn into a company by any means. I was just having fun and had some money from college. So I just threw it at this as a project. I mean, it was the height of the pandemic. Like everyone was drinking and I was like, well, might as well see what I can do with this. So we started with a tequila one and kind of did, that's the tequila ginger. And then we added a bourbon and then a vodka. And then now we're actually coming out with the gin. We're actually producing that in two weeks. So that's kind of our take on a Tom Collins. So that's kind of a long winded answer, but it happened very organically and just kind of a funny backstory. Kind of, we like to say it happened on like a happy mistake. I guess. No, I do want you to give long-winded answers. It's a lot better than me giving long-winded questions, which I'm known to do. Now, this whole mint bee, which kind of reminds me of um, the movie Half-Baked, but that's a different story. (laughs) But, you know, you have mint bee marketing thing here says during your global pandemic making cocktails for your hive. How did your friends, because that wasn't a you thing, like that had to have been your friends that steered you in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. So the whole idea of hive came up during that phase of like, what should we name this thing? And it was kind of like one of those moments where you're just with your buddies, like kind of just spitballing back and forth, like just having fun. And the word hive came up and I was like, wait, that's a great idea. You know, it's community. A hive brings people together. It's a house, you know, for bees. And it's just, it just brings everyone together. So we started with that and then getting into the weeds a little bit with like trademarking and everything. We came up with the word spirited to put in front of hive and that kind of tied everything together, you know, because each friend group brings a different spirit to the group. And also each friend usually has a different favorite type of alcohol. So it kind of works, you know, now that we have these four different types of alcohol, like kind of works with whoever your hive is. 
And I'm really happy because in my research, I did not see like you say get buzzed or anything <laughs> anywhere. So I'm really proud of you for that. I just want to yeah. take my hat off. Like it was hard. It was hard to stay away from that. <laughs> you could have got the low hanging fruit pretty quickly and you did yeah. not. Yeah, we've been leaning on it's hive o'clock quite a bit. That one, we've definitely had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and we have got some other kind of funny taglines as well. Oh, you got to. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't even think like that's going to be your life sometimes. Oh, yeah. We've had like, I know internally with like our marketing team and everything. It's like, well, what kind of fun stickers can we make? And what kind of taglines? And I'm like sitting here like three years ago, never would I ever thought about figuring out B puns to make stickers, <laughs> you know, but it's fun. You know, it's awesome. It is going to help you learn like if you eventually become a dad i know you're not one right now but all this work doing b puns will pay <laughs> off in the future if you have yeah, kids i could see that i definitely could see that i do want to talk about the actual stuff right so yeah. you, you know you have this brand you made the drink then mm -hmm. you kind of turned it into a brand yeah what did you then do because this was not your background how did you research what to actually put in there how did you go source the stuff where tell me about that whole process so during the kind of whole formulation phase i guess was just kind of i was in the kitchen just kind of mixing different things together you know like i said i'm not from this industry at all so and i'm not even a mixologist or a bartender or anything, you know, I just had this idea and I was like, let me see what I can do. So I literally got in the kitchen, started grabbing different types of honeys, wildflower, clover, all like just anything. And then sort of infusing different ingredients into it and just sort of mixing it with different alcohols. I literally made anything underneath the sun. Like I made a black pepper bacon syrup that I put with a bourbon and it was unreal. It was so good. But I know I was like, I can't release this. Like no one's going to drink this. Everyone's going to be like, that's weird. But so I, so I had these four or th actually currently, so I actually have three flavors of each skew. So I have three for the vodka, three for the tequila and three for the bourbon. So that's actually not information that anyone really knows. So that's something that we can release here. But, um, oh man, yeah, so I told you, I don't do breaking news. Well, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous. No, it's all good. So what I would be curious about the bourbon, cause the only one I have is the rosemary lemon and honey. Yeah. Could there potentially be like a ginger lime and honey with the bourbon? There could be, there could be. I'm very excited for that because that's right yeah. up my alley. I'm not saying the rosemary, lemon, and honey is bad by any means. Just like you, the mules. Like, it, this is uh, very yeah. good, what I'm sipping right now. But when I hear that Moscow mule and, and like being able to put that in a can and have that by the pool, man. Oh throw it in your golf bag. Yep. Like those yep. are the things that I love. But anyways, continue. So you were saying you have three flavors for every skew. Yes. Yeah, so we have three flavors that we're coming out with and we don't know when we're going to release these. So just kind of talking about the story. So I had these three flavors of each alcohol base, literally put them in like little jars and sent them off to a formulator. So a formulator, like kind of make sure that it's all shelf life stable, make sure like how to produce it on a large scale. Because like I was using, you know, Buffalo Trace, Woodford Reserve, like all nice, really, really nice, like not really, really nice, but nice bourbons that I wouldn't be able to do on a large scale because I would be broke. I would love so, for you to be like, listen, uh, Buffalo Trace, I need about like 200 <laughs> barrels of Buffalo flow trace because we're going to do this yeah. thing and they would have just laughed at you. yeah well no do you want to hear the funniest thing is like actually though 
I tell you, I was so naive to this industry. I was looking up and I called Buffalo Trace. I called Woodford Reserve and I was like, hey, is there any way, like, do you guys sell in bulk? And they're like, yeah, we sell barrels, but how many do you need? And I was like, ah, like I need this many. And they're like, like, what are you using this for? And I kind of like explained it to them. They're like, yeah, no, that's not happening. (laughs) You can do it. It's going to be expensive. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's so funny to think back from the beginning of like all the pitfalls and everything that I made. But so I took this, went to a formulator. He figured out how to kind of batch it on a large scale. So sourcing ingredients, um, reaching out to co-packers. So a co-packer is the person that blends it, cans it, and gets it out. So then we went to those people and that's kind of where it all started. And all this was happening. And I kind of like, just, it just happened super organically. Like I, you know, met with someone that knew someone that knew someone, knew someone, knew someone. And then I got to where I am today. So I've been very fortunate, but yes, it has been like super difficult and super, super taxing. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It has definitely been a wild ride. The formulator guy or gal, whoever, right? Like, that's the part that I find so interesting is how do you get this? Like, what is your shelf life? And how do you get ingredients that can actually allow it to have a shelf life of not more than like a week? Yeah, so that's super interesting. So how that worked was I was introduced to a formulator, like a very, very good formulator in California through one of my buddies who is actually... He has a canned cocktail company called Deloche. It's an espresso martini company. And it's funny because like we both went to school together and we're both starting RTDs. Um, he, he put me in touch with this guy and we were talking and everything. And I'm not going to lie. The first formulation we got back, I was like, this is so disgusting. I don't think I want to continue doing this because <laughs> it's like he was doing it on such a low scale, like as low as you can get as pricing goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, then I was like, hey, look, I don't want to skip out on costs. Like this is something that wants I want to be higher elevated, premium spirits, organic honey. Like I don't want to skip out on my hive. Like you don't want to skip out on your friends and give them a cheap drink. And I didn't want to do that either. I really wanted to craft something that was high quality spirits organic and just tasted great. Because another big thing around this company was that making drinks takes time and it can be messy and it takes away from you enjoying the time that you could be spending with your friends. So I wanted to create something that allowed us to have as much time together as we could. So cracking open a crafted cocktail is a lot easier than going into the kitchen and making up a whole drink and all of that. I told him this and we kind of went through the whole process. And he told me at the beginning, he was like, hey, this usually takes around three months. We were doing it for probably 10 or 11 months because I just wanted it perfected. I like wanted it to be so good and so high quality as as a high quality as we get. So I didn't want to skip out on that formulation process at all. So it was a ton of back and forth. And that back and forth looks like they send you samples. You try them with your friends, your family. You just give a ton of notes, go back. And it's just a big back and forth process. And it takes forever. I mean, I'm surprised that some companies do it in like weeks to months. Well, at this point, how far are you down in the pandemic now? Like what month would you say you figured Uh, all this out? Yeah. So I kind of came up with this idea August of 2020. So a couple of months into the pandemic, I had this idea and immediately started on the ground running. Like I was like, I'm going to like see what this is. So it's probably like maybe a month in on this that I probably like September or October that I was, you know, reaching out to formulators and all that. So it was pretty quick. I had the idea. I started making all these drinks. So probably like July of 21. Yeah. Well, even still, you know, like we produced our first line and we changed it. 
Like we had some stuff out in the market that we were selling that people really liked and everything. But I was like, you know what? I think we can still make it better. You know, I was like, I think there's some tweaks that we can make to still make this thing better. And we made those tweaks actually a couple of months ago, like two months ago. And now like the new product that's coming out, I'm like, this is so much better. Even though the first product, I was like, this is really good. So I'm still making tweaks here and there. But I mean, they're obviously not drastic. The only person that would probably know is me. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love that like you're still trying to make it better. The reason I ask is because the mindset, you know, you're in like June, July, 2021. Yeah. Everybody's at this point where like we didn't know if the pandemic was ever going to end. Like it ended in Tennessee. If you were around here, yeah. you know, three yeah. months in, we were good. But like California where you were and that kind of stuff. I mean, those things were really in place. And did you kind of just have a feeling like, shit, I, I have nothing else to do anyway. Like, it's not like we could go outside and live our lives right now. Like, so I can devote extra time to this and I really want to get it right. No. So actually kind of the opposite. So I, was still at NYU. It was like two things, two things. Well, it was two things that I loved. You know, I have always loved real estate and it's always interest, interested me. That's what I studied throughout all of college, real estate development. And I really wanted to get into it. And I was at NYU, like fully focusing on, you know, after this, I'm going to go back into commercial real estate and whatever, start my career. But I also had this other thing on the other hand that was something that I was super passionate about. It was a passion project that I was like, I love every second about this, building this company and everything. So I fully left NYU. I was like, I want to put every second into this and just build this thing because I really do think it can be successful. Not only do we have a great liquid, but our branding's great and our ethos is awesome. I feel like there's not a lot of brands out there that are really focused about bringing people together and especially bringing friends together. And at this point in time during the pandemic, people were coming back together and I really wanted to capitalize on that and just be like, yeah, this is a drink that is meant for your friends. You know, we have four alcohol bases. We're using organic honey and the ethos is who is your hive, you know? So it was something that I just really wanted to there's never been a day where I'm like, oh God, I got to go do this. You know, it's always like, this is awesome. I love every second of this. So yeah. I was going to say, like, I could tell it's one of the two. I threw that first one out because it's like, all right, it's either going to be, he was taking his time during the pandemic or it's like, oh shit, I got to get this done because of the pandemic and everybody's sitting yeah. around drinking. And so yeah. I, it's good to know it was the latter, but also that you, I mean, just like distilling whiskey, which I know you don't know a whole lot about, you might know a yeah. little bit more about now, but sometimes you got to let it age just a little bit longer. Yeah. Sometimes you really can't like yeah. settle a hundred percent. And that was a big thing too, was because I was so eager to get this out there because I was like, yes, I'm so excited for people to try it, but I'm like, not yet. Like I want people to try it, but it's not happening yet because it's not fully ready. And I don't want people to, cause it's my baby. You know, I want everyone to love it. And that's why I was really like trying to perfect it as much as I could. And like I said, we're still, we're still somewhat perfecting it. Yeah. Which one was the hardest one to do the bourbon, the vodka or the gin or the tequila? Probably the tequila. <laughs> and this is, this is kind of, you know, a funny story is that that's the one that it's built on. All my friends love ginger and I order for three rounds of ginger before the sushi even comes out. I love ginger being naive to the industry. I was making drinks that my friends liked and I liked. I wasn't too focused on what other people liked. This was a drink that was built with friends for friends. So I was really focused on my hive and creating this whole idea and brand around my hive. We like ginger, so I was making a ginger drink. I didn't realize that probably 50% of the population doesn't really like ginger. 
Wait, really? Yeah, it's a very polarizing flavor. So people come up to like I've done a ton of trade activations and you know, I've done a lot of sampling and a lot of like tests with consumers and everything. That one is always either I love this thing so much or they're like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, oh, do you not like ginger? And they're like, I hate ginger. And I'm like, okay, that's why you don't like it. That one was super hard. And that one's the one that we kind of came back to multiple times. Not because it's a bad drink by any means. It's because ginger is a polarizing flavor. Which is totally crazy for me because I guess in the bourbon community, you know, a whiskey ginger is very, very common. If you're having ginger ale or ginger soda or, you know, all the other stuff that you would actually get, ginger is very synonymous with bourbon. And I just assume everybody likes ginger. That's what I thought too. And then just doing this whole thing, I'm like, oh, wait, like people, a lot of people don't like ginger. It's, uh, which I never knew. So, you know, you learn a lot through this process, but that one was probably the hardest. And it's always funny because usually when you look at RTDs or really any beverage that have multiple SKUs, there's usually a front runner. There's like always, there's usually a front runner. This it's all over the map. People are like, oh, like once I think one's like becoming the front runner, then I'll be swept off my feet. And it's like, oh, the bourbon's a front runner now or the tequila is. So it's like always switching. It's it's pretty cool to see. I know that at least in my house, the vodka would not win, but that's OK. <laughs> I mean, I just vodka doesn't really taste like anything for me. You know, I, I get the cranberry lime and honey, and I like cranberry lime and honey, but I feel like I'm just yeah. drinking cranberry lime and honey juice like not. But, yeah. you know, everybody knows what the success of white. Claw and truly and everything else like vodka drinks sell. So yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, and that one, that one, I think we have the best sales with that one because that one. I mean, you think about it, especially out here in New York. Like a lot of my girlfriends are and all that. They're like, ah, like I don't want to try the bourbon. Like I don't like bourbon. So they're always going for the vodka one. And then tequila. The thing with the tequila is that the girls that love tequila and ginger or the guys that love it will get it, but the ones that don't like ginger aren't going to have it. So the vodka is always there for the people that don't like bourbon. So that's kind of, that always brings it back to this, this, the idea of like hive, like we have four different alcohol bases, no matter what, one of the people in your friend group will like one, you know, or like have preference on alcohol base. No, I should have done my due diligence here because I would have loved to try the tequila and the gin and the vodka. You know, I what I find with this bourbon one that's interesting, bourbon is not like even your girlfriends that say, I don't like bourbon. Bourbon is like the fourth thing I taste in this, right? Yeah, it's very at the end too. And also I think, because when did I drop those samples off? That was a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. So that's the old formulation. So that one's really good. I still like that one a lot, but you can't taste the bourbon as much. So we dropped the honey, the sweetness down in the honey just a little bit. So you can taste the bourbon more and it's a completely different drink. I mean, I still love that one because and honestly, the girls love that one that don't like bourbon because it's like, oh my God, this is like really good. I get yeah, rosemary so. first, then honey, yeah. then bourbon. Then a little bit of bourbon at yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah. You'll definitely have to try the new one though. For the price, right? You're not, uh, your pockets are fine if you go get some of this and you go by the pool. Like, you're not going to kill yourself doing it. So I will go, I, I'm telling you right now, I will go and report back to you and I will try these. Oh, amazing. But I do want to know, so you you had the the guy, I keep getting the name wrong. What's, oh, the formulator. Yeah, yeah you had so, the formulator, but then how do they allow for it to have that shelf life? You know, you pick your formula and then like, how do you know an expiration date and what do you work to? 
So that wasn't really our, to be honest, we weren't really focused on that. I was like, no matter what the, like, if, even if it expires in, you know, a month, that's okay. Cause I want this drink to stay what it's, where it's at. And they're like, okay, well, the reason why it's shelf life stable for a year is because we're using the juices that we're using can last up to a year. And it's nothing to do with that. They're not natural or anything like that. They're all hundred percent natural. The flavors that we're using are all hundred percent natural. And then it's pasteurized. So when it pasteurizes, it kills all the chemicals in it and it secures it in there. Ours is shelf life stable for a year. And that's only because of the taste because of the honey and everything it starts to like change the taste inside of there so i don't want people to be buying product past a year i mean they'll still be fine drinking it like they're not going to get sick or anything i don't want the taste to get lost and actually what's really funny is we did an accelerated test when we were trying to figure out the shelf life stability of this and the bourbon one which makes sense starts to taste even better so we accelerated it a year and i was trying it and i was like guys, can we do this with every single can? Cause this tastes amazing. Cause it started like fermenting more and kind of getting more with the honey. And it was really, really good. I mean, this one, I mean, it, it's just, it was just kind of a funny anecdote to that, but yeah. That is really funny. I mean, cause it essentially doesn't age. Bourbon does not age anymore when it's in the bottle, when it's out of the barrel, but you know, there are different schools of thought as to what air will then do to bourbon like if you have you know a little bit of air in this can or whatever it is and, and you're mixing yeah. it out and kind of it's like you get a four roses and you put it on the, the table it might taste a little different to you an hour later than it did when you I'm first had it i'm wondering if it's the carbonation in there that could be affecting it yeah that too i don't know yeah i do have some more questions about yeah. getting the bourbon right so you went to green river and that that's a smart thing to do. There's a lot of places using Green River. What are you getting for your bourbon there? Are you doing the four-year stuff they're selling or are you pumping the no, age no, down a little? We were doing, so our first batch was a two-year aged. Our second batch was a one-year, I think it was 70% corn, 21% rye, and a 9% malted barley, I believe, is what we're, our first one was. And we were actually doing a higher rye at first because it was like cutting through the sweetness more which i i liked but it, it came with a higher price so you know we kind of and it was it was actually much higher so we ended up going lower and doing a 21 percent rye that process you know we try to find something that was exact like very very close to green river when we were doing this formulation process and going back and forth and then once we're at our co-packer then we can kind of start mixing what we're actually going to use and make sure it tastes exactly the same and then you give them the okay and then it goes through but yeah for a while there i mean during covid i mean the bourbon prices were going up and up and up and i was like oh no, like what is going on? <laughs> so, you know, you kind of have those like, oh shit moments quite a bit. That also happened with the aluminum prices. It happened with honey. It's happened with really anything that I'm working with, but luckily everything's somewhat coming down. The funny thing is the, probably the amount of product at oh. this point. Like when you start off, you're like, all right, I don't know how much to do. And now, I mean, if you're at the scale where you are sponsoring the Titans and you're sponsoring Nashville Soccer Club, there's a lot of hive you got to get out. And at that point, it's like, you're not calling to say like, Hey, you got some bees. Can I get a little bit of honey? It's like, I need 10 tons of honey. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is the honey and honey weighs a lot. So freight costs are very expensive. And like so many people have been like, Oh, why don't you just use like a honey flavor? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to just focus so much on costs that I'm kind of taking away from the drinking and, and all that. So we've really stuck with using organic wildflower honey the whole entire time. And I don't think I'll ever 
you know, switch that up. But yeah, I mean, cost always plays a big role in it. And that's why our bourbon is not staying the same the whole entire time. Cause you know, we're looking at different types of bourbon and honestly, we've kind of gone through, you know, I think we did a 75% corn as well. At the end of the day, I mean, we're trying to use the best bourbon that we can, but when it's mixed in a drink, I mean, a lot of most consumers wouldn't know the difference between a 70% corn and a 75% corn. I don't know. Do you think if I gave you two of them that were those two different, would you think you would be able to tell? I think so. Yeah. I think you would be able to tell. But it's also not with the first recipe. I wouldn't be able to tell with the first recipe, but if the second recipe is what you say, I think I could figure it out. But yeah. I, I also think, um, you know, 70 to 70 25 isn't that drastic of a jump, but it's also like, say you get, you have Dickel, which is 84, eight and eight with the mash belt. Like that is pretty high on the corn. Like you're going to notice that more than you would notice something that's 70 for that being said. And I probably, you probably never, ever thought about this, but like, have you thought about doing a new fill contract when you know you're going to need bourbon a year and a half from now? No, I haven't thought about that. Like just to say like, Hey, give me some new make. Like I, I'm going to pick the mash bill and I want you to make this for me. I know I have to buy these from you now, but I can save a little bit of money if I get new fills and then I age them for a year and a half. No, that's smart. I didn't even think about that. And then you could kind of just figure out and say, what is the mash bill you like more? And the only thing you're then predicting is how many barrels do you actually need in order for the product? So obviously, you know, that contract's going to go a little bit up and up as you're going through because you're getting in new states, you're doing all that other stuff. The amount of yeah. cases you need is going to be more, but yeah. it might save some money. I mean, it might not look into it. No, that's smart. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's actually smart. I mean, I wish I had done that when I first started this. And then you and your buddies, like you hide a b- barrel in the back. It ends up being seven, eight years old. Like who knows one day you're like, Hey, guess what? I, uh, I left <laughs> I one of one these. Back. Yeah. Let's go get my own bourbon barrel. Yeah. What did you do to pick the other ones? You know, there's a, a Blanco tequila from Jalisco, Mexico, same place as Casamigos. I don't know if the marketing that that's not the same stuff y'all are using, though. You're just. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. We're just so the, the way that we chose the vodka and the tequila, I mean, the tequila was a little bit more difficult than the vodka. I, mean, I just know I wanted to do a corn vodka as many times distilled as I could. That would made sense at the price standpoint. And we came across a six times distilled corn, you know, which is high quality. I mean, most things on the shelves are on the lower end are like five times. This is six times. So that's great. And you can really taste it in the vodka. For the tequila, I was in the kitchen really mixing everything up. I was doing Mezcal, I was doing Reposado, I was doing Añejo. The last one I wanted to do was Blanco, because I mean, I'm more of a darker tequila person. That's just what I like. But those come with the big price tag, you know, and to do those right, you really need to do them right and spend money doing them. So we came across the Blanco and I started making, you know, multiple different recipes with it. And I was like, oh, these are really, really good. Came across, you know, obviously doing the tequila ginger one. That took some time and then it kind of just came down to, I mean, because also you have to import it into the States and that's no easy feat by any means. I remember during this, I was trying to, (laughs) I was reading through these contracts that on one side, it's all in Spanish. And on the other side, it's translated in broken English on the other side. And I sent it to my lawyer. My lawyer was like, 
I can't advise on this because I can't read it. So I'm like trying to read through this thing. So it's like, that's another funny anecdote of like, you know, just how crazy this industry is. But um, yeah, I mean, it just, it that one took a little while to kind of perfect. And, you know, I'm really glad with the turnout that we had. I mean, I think the Blanco that we're currently using is great and has a great mixture with the honey and the ginger and it just really works. And that is to say about the vodka as well. And then the gin that we're using, we're really excited to be using that as well. So we're, that has a, it's very juniper forward. It's our take on a Tom Collins. So it's a lemon infused honey. Um, very juniper forward, which um, is going to be great. So we launched that next, hopefully next month. I'm super excited for this. I mean, you have a lot going on. You might be releasing your other flavors. So you have yeah. 12 in total that four out now there's eight that you could potentially expand with. And that's more places. Yeah. How many States are y'all in right now? So we're currently only in two. We're trying to go as deep as we can in Nashville. And that's why we did deals with NSC. I just really thought it fit with that brand. And, you know, they were so focused on working with smaller brands and local brands and, you know, we fit that perfect match for being, you know, the RTD of Nashville since we're a Nashville built brand. And that deal has been awesome. And then also the Tennessee Titans were knocking at my door like, hey, same thing. Like, we want to be a part of this. And, you know, we did that deal as well. And that's been that's been absolutely amazing. But yeah, only in New York and in Tennessee, we're hoping to open up Texas, Florida and South Carolina in 2023 at some point. If you do so Texas and Florida, like watch out because then you're going to need a shit ton more bourbon oh yeah i mean more of all of it yeah, yeah so more of all of it but yeah we're um we're ready we're getting ready to scale and it'll, it probably won't be until probably q2 or q3 of 2023 so we've got you know around like eight months to a year but we're definitely i've been told some crazy stats about just texas in itself just one specs taking on like two pallets and going through it in like two weeks you know, yeah. so it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, at yeah. least in the bourbon world, if you get in and specs, if, if you get in in Texas and Florida, they can make or break brands. And you would think yeah. like Kentucky, Tennessee would do it. Like you need to be in Kentucky and Tennessee, but yeah. you know, New York, Florida, California, and, and Texas, yep. those are going to make or break your, like, if you get in there, you're good. If you, if somebody yeah. said like, I got a specs contract, I'm like, all right, your brand's going to make it like, congratulations. I'm <laughs> proud of you. So that's actually what we're trying to work on right now is specs. That's something and that take, that's a process that takes a while. So we're, you know, we're getting ready for that for eight to 12 months out from now. So I'm just trying to think ahead. And that's also kind of what we're doing for the state controlled states. So like, you know, Wyoming, um, Montana, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, all those states were like kind of getting ready to submit to them. But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's just so much, you know, every single day I wake up and I love what I'm doing, but it's always like another thing. It's like, oh, okay. Like now I need to learn how to do that, I guess. And you know, it's, it always keeps me on my toes. A lot different so, than real estate, isn't it? Well, real estate will definitely keep you on your toes too, but in a different way. I mean, the thing that I love about what I do is, you know, I'm a, I'm a people person. I get to have conversations like this with you. And also I get to learn so much. And, you know, I've learned so much about business in the last two years than I think I ever would have like going to business school or anything like that. And, you know, creating a 
product that is actually a consumer packaged good is crazy, you know, because you actually get to see it move and you get to see people enjoy it. And that always brings a smile to my face. And when someone doesn't like it, I'm like, oh, darn, I guess everyone has different tastes. But still, you know, I want everyone to enjoy my drink. Well, that is the beautiful thing. And it's also, you know, hey, if your taste, like if you don't like the bourbon one, try the tequila one. If you don't like the tequila one, try the gin one, you know, like. Yeah. and And that's what we're finding, too, in the market is that when we do these tasting contests or tasting whatever, like someone will come up and be like, I don't like the vodka. And then I'm like, okay, try the bourbon. They're like, okay, I like this one. Or like, yeah, it's always, they're going to like one of them. That's a hundred percent. I said, I wasn't going to talk to you about me, but like when we're doing the show and we're doing the review parts of the show that you wouldn't be on. Yeah. You know, we're sitting there and I'm like, man, I really don't like this expression from this brand. But I love these expressions from them because I also think like everybody's palate's different. So it's like, I don't like this one. Why? But also, what are the ones that I do like? Like if if somebody puts out a bourbon and a rye and I don't like the rye, but I love the bourbon, like it's still okay. That's why they have different flavors of whiskey for people to go drink them. Like that's the same thing with you. It's like you have different flavors. Somebody's going to like something. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is really the premise behind this company is, you know, the whole idea of bringing it back to the hive. Like we, if you like the idea of an organic sweetened drink and that's sweetened with honey, we have one for you, regardless of you like tequila, bourbon, gin, vodka, we have one. So you had some money left over from college, which is how you started Spirited Hive. So, I mean, I think I know how you're going to answer this, but having gone through the college process as I have, and now being an entrepreneur, do you think, especially, I mean, you went almost, did you complete your master's or almost? Because you said you left NYU, Uh, Yeah, so I was, it was a three-year-long program. I left like a year and a half into it. So I was like halfway through. But at this point, do you feel like you would have been better served just to have been an entrepreneur from the beginning? And do you feel like college really did anything for you? That's a really great question. And it's funny because... It's hard for me not to think like I came into this company and into the RTD industry kind of right when it was taking off. It was probably, you know, a year into it already taking off. I always think like, damn, what if I came into this in like 2015? You know, like who knows? Hive could have been the first I know I know High Noon came out in 2019, but you know, that it could have been that big. If I hadn't of had a passion for real estate and I just, you know, if I had just been like, I don't know what I want to study, whatever, I think I would have been better off just fully focusing on starting this company and going. I loved my time at college. I had a blast. And I think everyone needs to experience college. You definitely learn a lot in the sense of people skills and all of that. You definitely learn stuff in the classroom as well. But I think for real estate purposes, I loved real estate and I did learn a ton there. And I do intend on probably going and doing some real estate in the future. But if I had just done like, you know, whatever, any old major I think I would have been better off just focusing on starting Hive. It is kind of a funny question, right? Because in America, it's like, well, shit, I can't start an RTD company. I'm 18 years old. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like there's yeah. a, it's like you're going out for the NFL. You have to at least be a junior before you go start <laughs> yeah. an RTD company. There is just something to be said uh, about the real estate side, too, because of all the contracts you have to do in real estate and all the contracts that you now have to do with Spirited Hive. It's like, all right, yeah, I've been exposed to a few negotiations and I know how this goes. 
it's funny because I was interning at a um, real estate firm in LA and I was on the leasing side. I didn't have anything to do one day. And my boss was, um, he was like, Hey, I've got this lease um, that needs, it's being redlined currently, but can you, um, can you read through it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he was like, Oh, it's um, I think, I think it was like Uber or something like that. I can't remember. He gave it to me and it was like, for the people that are listening, it was like probably four inches thick. And I was sitting there reading it. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm doing this right now. So now on the other end of it, you know, reading these contracts, you know, the Titans contract, NSE contract, sounds contract, any other contract, co-packing contract. I read every single one of them in detail with the fine tooth comb, you know, and that, you know, I'd rather read those every single day than, you know, a long lease, a hundred percent. Yeah. I will tell you, my friend, we are so glad you're doing this. We, we love seeing good people have good things happen to them and we're going to pay attention to you growing. And I want you to come on again after you expand, or even if you, you know, maybe you expand quicker, whatever happens, like you're a friend here, come on the show whenever you want. And, uh, let's get together here in Nashville and share some pours together. I would love that. That would be it. That would be very fun. Yeah. Everybody could go to spiritedhive.com, right? And then I think yep. you're Spirited Hive on all the socials. Yep. Spirited Hive on all the socials, spiritedhive.com. We actually are um, selling on e-commerce or on our website. So yeah, you can buy it there. If you're if you're not in Tennessee and can't buy it on the shelves, we sell to uh, 28 different states. So yeah. And if you're coming to Nashville for a bachelor or bachelorette party, make sure you're not drinking White Claw. You got to be drinking Spirited Hive. Like that's what we do. Act like the locals do. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jack. It was a pleasure. Go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Please leave us an open and honest review, just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Anything else to say, my friend? I don't think so. Well, I really appreciate it. Very nice to meet you, John. Thank you so much. Come find us in Nashville. It was great to meet you too. Cheers.